excited to get back to teaching it. We've had some great Sundays in October that the Lord has been speaking to us, and again, we appreciate, uh, you know, Pastor Noah helped me out on a Wednesday a week, about a week and a half ago. Pastor Tracy was with us last week sharing about a fence, and people got breakthrough, and it was incredible, all the stories and testimonies that came from that. And so uh, I'm here today, and so not to be a letdown, pastor's back with you. So here we go. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to read in just a moment from Luke's Gospel, chapter 6. We've been talking about rethink. And as you are getting your Bibles out, I hope you brought them. In fact, can I just encourage you? I know that we will flash the Scripture overhead on the screen, and that's good, and you can read it, and it's valid. But, you know, it's good to bring your Bible. You see my Bible? I got pages falling out of it. And I I told my wife the other day, I got to go down and get me a new one because I'm losing pages. I just, I have this trail of pages that just, and I don't want to lose an important page. Right now I'm just losing the concordance in the back, so I can probably live without a concordance, but I I don't want to miss any other pages. So, so it's good to wear your Bible out. Amen. Says a lot about a person who wears their Bible out. So I encourage you. Bring your Bible with you. It's just good to get a feel of the Scripture. And I'm going to be reading a number of Scriptures this morning. So uh, keep your fingers nimble because we're going to be leaping around. And if you have trouble keeping up again, they will be on the screen overhead. Let me also say, because I noticed as the announcement screen was flashing by, that we changed the date on baptism. Baptism will be next Sunday. There were some uh, scheduling conflicts. So if you want to be water baptized, please Sign up. Really, you'll need to be signed up no later than Wednesday of this week. But that way we can contact you and make sure all is in order. And then next Sunday, it's going to be a great baptismal service. And if you've never been here for that, it's always a time of great rejoicing and cheering. And so we look forward to that. But back to rethink. Rethink. We've got to rethink some things. We've got to let God into our mind and begin to renew us in our thinking. And I mentioned to you on the previous time when I was teaching that we're going to have to soak in some things. You know, when you're dying a, a, a shirt, a different color, let's say, you can, you can put it into the dye color quickly and bring it out and it will be a light color, correct? But if you set that shirt in that dye color and let it soak in there, what happens? It comes out very, very dark. And I'm telling you, we need to soak in some of the word so it's not just superficial or we're sort of lightly colored with it, but we need, we need to be dark in the word. Amen. And the reason we experience things from God so sporadically is because our minds have not been renewed, our minds have not soaked to think consistently with regards to the kingdom. Jesus did what he did because he had his mind renewed. He had mastered the laws of the kingdom. Now hear me, you you can't just get one or two things under your belt. Now one or two things is better than nothing. But the reason some of the kingdom isn't working in our lives is because you just got one or two things and, and, and the Lord is trying to get the whole council into our system. If you only know a couple of things about a piece of equipment, you know, my cell phone can do all sorts of things. I know about one or two things. I can make a phone call 
and I can text now. Now, my, my children are two-thumb texters. Me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm just a one-finger kind of texter. I, I, I'm not very fast at it. And anything else besides that, i got to hand it to one of them, and they can do it really, really quickly. Because they have soaked in the technology of cell phones. Me, I'm just lightly colored. With all of the options on my cell phone. Jesus had mastered the whole counsel of God. And so we're spending time in this area because I want you as a congregation to be blessed. Can you say amen? I want you to succeed. I want you to see miracles. I want you to function supernaturally. I want God to be big in your life. But for that to happen, it's going to take us pushing out the world and soaking in kingdom precept. And we mentioned last time that the only way this can happen is when you choose to do this in your life. Now, keep your finger at Luke chapter 6, but uh, you might want to just flip over to Matthew 16, and I'm going to tell you the story. There's a great passage in here about Jesus walking with the disciples. And as they're walking along the road, he begins to question them, and he asks them a question. He says, who do people say that I am? And of course, the disciples begin to respond, and some of them say, they respond to John the Baptist. Some of them think you're Elijah. Some people have mentioned you could be Jeremiah, maybe one of the prophets. But then Jesus looks at them and says, who do you say that I am? What do you think about me? And Peter, for all of his problems, all through the word, he steps up to the plate and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus looks at him and says these words, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, in verse 17, Matthew 16, because he says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. In other words, you didn't get this from people just talking along the street. You didn't get this from a book. You didn't get this because you just had gone to Sunday school or Sabbath school all of your life. You got this, Jesus says, because it was revealed to you. And if we get revelation, listen to me, if we can get revelation, it will change the way we think and the way we access things. Because this is what Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And then he goes on to say, And upon this rock, now the Catholics think that means Peter. But that really doesn't mean Peter. What he meant was upon that rock of revelation insight. He says, upon this rock, the revelation that you just received, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, hear me. Jesus wasn't talking about an organization. He was talking about you and me. We're the church. You understand, we could lose the mall tomorrow, but the church goes on. We could send out an a invitation, or we could make a change and say, to, next Sunday we're all going to meet down at the Marriott Hotel, and we all show up, and guess what? We still have church. And Jesus said that upon this revelation, if you can get revelation, hell cannot stop you. See, our problem is we got lots of information and hell beats us all the time. Are you following me? 
Everybody in this room knows the gospel story. It's pretty simple. His death, burial, and resurrection. We all know that. It is information to us. But once it becomes revelation, once we get revelation, things change. We become dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. Revelation can literally change the way life begins to be lived. And then he says this. He says in verse 19, he says, And I will give you, everyone say, that's me, that's me, it's me. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so whatever he says you enforce will be enforced. If you decide that you want to release things in heaven, you can release things. If you want to forbid something, you can forbid things. But the key word here is you. You. If you are locked out of your house, I want you to think about this for just a minute. If you are locked out of your house and you're trying to get in and every door is locked and you're shaking the door and inside of your pocket are the keys to get in your house but you refuse to stick your hand in your pocket and pull out your keys and open up the door, how many of you know that you have no reason to be mad at anyone but yourself? Right? I, I mean, if you can't get into your house and you've got the keys in your pocket and all of a sudden you just step back and you just say, well, well, I'm mad at God. God won't open the door to my house. Or I'm mad at the preacher. He was preaching that I could get into the house and I, I'm not getting into the house, so I'm just mad. I'm, I'm, I'm mad at God. I'm mad at the church. I'm mad at the, the preacher. I'm just, I'm just mad because I can't get in my house. Doesn't that sound silly when the keys are in your own pocket? There are people this morning here and all over the world who are mad at God, they're mad at the church, and they're mad at their preacher, pastor. They're mad. They're mad at everyone but themselves because they never heard or realized that they have keys that they have been given that will unlock the door to what they need to get into. But they're waiting on God to open the door when the keys are in their pocket. Are you following me? Jesus said, I'm giving you the keys. So if you feel locked out of something, if you feel locked out of a promise of God, you need to understand that you're going to be the answer. Now listen, when I say that, I know people get real weird because they say, well, God's the answer. Well, sure, God's the answer. He's given you the answer, but you got to stick it in the lock. Are you following me? Ever feel locked out of something? You ever feel locked out of resource? You ever feel locked out of healing, locked out on peace, locked out on joy, locked out on prosperity? You're locked out of some kingdom promise. It is time you renewed your mind to what it is you have been given. I'm telling you, if you know Jesus, if you've been redeemed, if you're born again, you've got a set of keys in your pocket this morning that will unlock immeasurable things. So today's lesson has to do with beginning to soak in that mentality. You cannot change the way you think until you understand the way you think. You can't stop what you don't get. 
Otherwise, it just becomes futile. And so if you have your Bibles and you've got it open to Luke chapter 6, let me read you something here. We're going to be talking this morning on what I've entitled the poverty mindset or the poverty mentality. And uh, I've preached on this before, but this is way different, I think, than anything you've heard before. Luke chapter 6, verse 20. Listen to this. It says that Jesus, then he lifted up his eyes toward his disciples and he said, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now I want to make sure, as we begin this morning, that we understand what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is not saying is this. He's not saying, bless your heart. You're in such poverty. Just bless your heart. I mean, it's going to be better someday. You know, someday you're going to die or I'll come back and you'll get to go to heaven and it'll be a lot better. So just hold on because, because bless your heart, you're just, you're just in poverty. Folks, that's how we tend to read that, but that's not what Jesus meant. In fact, the word blessed actually means a condition that congratulations are in order. Blessed actually means to have joy and happiness. So I want you to think this through with me for just a minute, and I believe it'll make sense. Do you really think Jesus is saying, be happy, be happy, you can't pay your bills? Aren't you happy? Do you think he's saying, congratulations, you're going to foreclosure? Do you think it means you be joyful, be joyful that you are so broke that you can't give to kingdom purposes. You can't help people who are in need because you're needier than they are. Do you think Jesus is really saying that that condition means that you're just to have a yeehaw sort of a time? Of course not. Jesus is saying that the kingdom has come for people just like you. Just like you. The Bible says that when you cast out devils, the scripture says the kingdom of God has come near. The Bible tells us that the kingdom of God is not to be sought after with signs appearing or to look here and there. But Jesus said that the kingdom of God is in you. It resides in you. Paul would later say in, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 4.20, when he said that the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. The kingdom, we think in terms of geography, we think in terms of territory, we think that when the kingdom gets talked about, that the kingdom is somewhere we are going. Folks, can we just get our minds renewed? The kingdom is not somewhere we're going, it is something that has come. Yes, it has. Why else do you think Jesus would teach us to pray? Thy kingdom, thy will be, where? As it? Say, you know that, you learned that years ago. You just didn't know what you were saying. Jesus taught us to say, kingdom come, rule of God come. God, express your rulership in my life and all around me. I mean, the kingdom is huge. It's immeasurable. It's inexhaustible. It is exceedingly, abundantly more powerful than you can ask or think. And you need to understand that right now, if the king lives inside of you, the kingdom is there with him. And when Jesus first came on the scene, he came preaching in the city of Nazareth in Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 18. You remember, he opened up the book of Isaiah. He declared his whole purpose. 
And as he stood up, he said these words. He said, I've got good news. He said, I've come to proclaim good news to who? The poor. I've come to declare good news to the poor. I'm going to open up the doors of the prison. I'm going to open up blind eyes. I'm going to lead the captives out of their captivity. I'm going to declare and begin to demonstrate. I mean, this should give you the Holy Ghost buzz. He says, I'm going to begin to demonstrate and declare that there is a dawn of a new day. It is the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but I've needed some new days. I need an acceptable year. I need Jesus to show up with his anointing in order to begin to, to spring loose the things that God would really like to do in my life and in your life. Now, as I have been doing, I've been taking just little moments to sort of help everybody through any squeamishness in this area by just saying certain things out loud. Let me just say up front that the kingdom of God is not purely about money. Now, I'll say that again, lest somebody thinks they heard wrong. The kingdom of God is not purely about money. In fact, the kingdom is about a quality of life that is distinguishably different than the world system. You, you can have millions of dollars, and it can literally stress you to the max and kill you. I mean, it can. Now, 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 money, we're going to talk in just a minute, will have its place, but we're not talking purely about money. In fact, if you would study the biblical word for prosperity, the biblical word literally means to help on the road or to succeed in reaching. So to be prosperous in biblical understanding means that somehow or another you are being helped on the road to God's will or to God's purposes, that it's the heart of God for you to succeed in reaching his will or his purposes. It clearly implies that divine prosperity is an ongoing, progressing state of well-being in every area of life. God wants you to prosper spiritually. You believe that, don't you? Sure you do. You believe that God doesn't want you to, to not prosper spiritually. I believe God wants us to prosper physically. I, I believe he wants our bodies to work well, and I believe healing is in his plan. I believe that. I believe God wants me to prosper emotionally, don't you? I mean, does he want you all messed up in your mind and depressed and discouraged and crazy and locked up? I mean, do you think that's God's will? I don't. And not only that, I believe he, he wants to prosper us materially for his purposes as well. Prosperity is a quality of life that is complete. Now, having said that and making that statement, can I now leap to the next point, which is this. Can we all just admit, can we just be free to admit that life can be hard to navigate unless the money thing is dealt with properly? Isn't that true? Sure it is. Just, just, just take a couple months and not pay your bills. If you don't think money's a big deal, you just decide for two, three months you're just not going to pay your bills. And I'll guarantee you, life will change for you. I've heard people say, well, it's, 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 it's all about the money. They just, they're always talking about money. Why do we have to talk so much about money? Well, okay, let's just take money out of the equation. And let's just take it out of the equation of your life as well. If you don't have money, what happens is you are hungry, you are homeless, and you are shut down. 
You're not going to send your kids to college. You're not going to be able to get some mode of transportation so you can get to your job. You're not going to be able to sustain yourself. You're not going to have a roof over your head. Are we getting it? Money isn't everything, but it sure enough has a fairly significant place in all of our lives, right? Now, I'm not going to teach you, and Jesus doesn't teach either in the scripture, that that we're to selfishly get our way and become a millionaire from God in 10 easy steps. Jesus doesn't teach that. Jesus doesn't teach that we just get to fill our lives with all sorts of toys and stuff and a crew and a crew and a crew and, 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 and just have money that we don't know what to do with or how to even spend it all. Jesus never teaches that. Jesus has no problem with money in yours and my life. His problem is how we have begun to think about it. How we think about abundance. How we think about prosperity. Some of you are called by God to do some amazing things. You've got a promise from God, and you know you've heard from the Lord. There may be ministry aspirations. There may be job aspirations, career aspirations. Some of you might like to go to the mission field. Some of you might like to start a new business. But truth of the matter is, a lot of things, even in the will of God, can't happen because of the money thing. Most people in this room... Go to work because you have to. Isn't that true? I mean, you have to go to work. You have to pay your bills. You have to pay the light bill. You have to pay your mortgage payment or your, or your rent. And, and I mean, we work a lot, and most of us work in order to live. And you can have the greatest of visions. You can have the greatest of callings. But if the resource thing is not fixed, you're not going anywhere. The world knows this. That is why the world is always comfortable when the church and Christians are poor and dumb. That's why the enemy doesn't want you to have resource. Do you think it's the enemy, enemy it's his design to, to let you have all sorts of resource so that you can be loosed from what it is you're doing in order to follow God completely? I don't believe that's probably the enemy. The enemy doesn't want you to have revelation. The enemy doesn't want you to have understanding. If he can keep you poor and dumb, he can keep controlling what the church does. We're no threat to anything. But when the church, I'm talking about when God's people get wisdom and understanding and revelation and resource and opportunity and when we're sold out to the will of God and when we're not just making stupid, dumb, selfish purchases but we're actually doing things that involve the kingdom, we will begin to press into the gates of hell itself, see? But you see, we got to start rethinking because most of us, if we got a million dollars, we'd be like the lottery winners. You know, most lottery people that have won it are now poor and in the same condition they were before they won the lottery. Why? Because they got money and they got a brain cramp. They bought stupid stuff just to be purchasing it. They didn't have a sense of purpose. They didn't know God's will. And they lost millions. I just, I want to say, Lord, give me millions. I promise you I could handle that well. Because I guarantee you, there's a lot of kingdom things that could be done. We're more concerned about getting our next boat or jet ski than we are about doing kingdom work, you see. And you can't do that. God's not against your boat or your jet ski, are you hearing me? God's not against that. No, he's not. God's not against a nice set of golf clubs. There, I just preached to myself. God's not against you driving a nice car. God's not against your nice house. God's not against these things. He's not against it. 
But our problem is, is that's what we think instead of thinking kingdom. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that most people in the room this morning, you want to do more, I know that. You would love to be involved more. You would love to be able to give more. You would love to be able to volunteer more. You would love to do all sorts of things. I know your heart, I really, and I really mean that. I, I believe you would, but it's hard, isn't it? It's hard when you're trying to make ends meet all the time. It's hard when you've got to work two, three jobs to try to keep everything shuffling and going in your house. And we'll just say it out loud. Some of us have made some extremely poor decisions in days past that have caused us in this present day to have to do things that probably weren't God's will to begin with. But even in our poor decisions, how many of you know it was because our minds had not been renewed to understand how God worked in all of our life? And again, God's not out to make you poor or take it all. All God's wanting you to do is to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things then would be added unto you. So we need to just understand the poverty mentality. So let's talk first about what I've called the earth curse system. Are you still with me? In Genesis chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, you can turn over to Genesis chapter 3. I may tell you the story quickly. It's the story of the fall of man. You know the story. Adam and Eve were created. They were told that they could eat of every tree of the garden except the one of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were not to partake of that tree Unfortunately, they did not adhere to God's singular command in the garden. Isn't it amazing? You have thousands, I suspect hundreds of thousands, of trees you could eat from. Just don't touch this one. And is it not interesting that they decide they've got to touch the one that they were told not to touch? Sometimes you just, if you don't believe in the sin nature, sometimes get your children out. Out of their barrel or closet or wherever you stash them. And just, and just put a pile of cookies on one side of the room and just put one kind of nicely decorated cookie on the other side of the room. And tell them that they can eat all the cookies they want on this side, but do not touch that one cookie. See, you're laughing because you know exactly what they'll do. They'll eat for a while, but they'll keep looking at that thing. Until the moment comes, it just beckons to them. And it calls them to it. Well, that's exactly what happened in Genesis Chapter 3. And because of that, because they disobeyed God, there was an open door that happened in their lives and in the earth, and it produced a curse. Now, a curse basically, in its most simplistic understanding, what it means is barrenness. There's a curse going on, it produces barrenness in your life. It, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't flourish, it doesn't grow. A curse produces barrenness. And a part of the curse in Genesis 3, 17 says this. Then Adam said, then, he, then to Adam he said, the Lord said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed, he says, is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it. All the days of your life, both thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. Now listen, verse 19 is the crux. I have it underlined in my Bible. But it's the crux of the curse. It says this, In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Now, 
the curse, listen to this, the curse says that from this point forward, in the sweat of your face, you'll be able to produce resource. Now, when Adam and Eve were created, the Bible tells us that they were given the right. God gave them the right as, as his children, as his creation. He gave them the right to function in the garden and in the earth in what we call dominion and authority. They could function and they had, they had dominion and authority over everything, over, the, over the, the fruit and the food of the ground, over the animals. Everything was under man's dominion. What happened was when they disobeyed God, they literally handed over the keys to that dominion and authority to the enemy himself. He was the one that talked them out of it. So they, they handed over the keys of authority to the enemy. Now the Bible says in Psalm 24 that the earth is the Lord's and all that it contains. That's true. Everything in the earth is the Lord's. But just because he owns it all does not mean that currently he's controlling it all. The Bible also says that Satan is the God, the little g, God of this world. I can't go through all the interesting Greek language except to say to you that verse literally means that Satan is the ruler of the way this world works. Now, God owns the earth and all that it contains, but Satan is the one who's exercising dominion over how it all works. Is that not true? Come on. How about the music industry? Who's controlling the way it works? How about the government? Who's controlling the way it works? How about commerce and markets and business and industry? Who's controlling the way it works? Well, God may own it all, but we know, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt who's controlling it. So Satan is the God of this world. And he has dominion over much of how this world operates. And so there's this curse. And the curse that comes, which I call the earth curse system, the Lord looks at Adam and he says, because you've handed over the keys, because you've released your dominion and authority, this is what he says. He says, by your own effort, very important, by the sweat of your brow, by your own effort, you're going to toil. You're going to work. Now, many people have taught that the curse meant that Adam had to work. That's, that's, not, that's not the curse. Because even before the curse, we all know that Adam and Eve are going to have to work. I mean, do you think they were just going to sit around on lazy boy lounges and God was just going to drop fruit in their lap? And they could sit there with a remote control and watch ESPN all day and just, you know, or HGTV and, it's, and, and they weren't going to do anything. No, 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 no. They were going to have to harvest the fruit. They were going to have to, to glean what they were to eat. They were going to have to exert some energy. Amen? You believe that, right? I mean, sure they were. They were going to have to exert a little energy in order to get their resource. But the point is, is that they weren't going to have to make it happen. God was the one who was going to provide. God was the one who was going to let everything flourish. They were going to have to work at it, but they would not have to, by their own effort, toil. The curse is, not that you will work, the curse is that by your own effort, you will toil. The earth curse system is, you, you have to make it happen. Now, it's subtle. This is very subtle. But it's important that you get a hold of this because you can't change the way you think until you're understanding the subtlety by which you are currently operating. 
you, by your own effort, will make things happen. Now, I know what you may say. You say, well, pastor, didn't you just say it was up to us to use the keys? Sure. We have to exert some energy. But implementing a kingdom principle is not you making it happen. Are you following me? God has provided certain laws, certain precepts, certain principles that will work, that he will function in and through. But you have to step up and implement those precepts in your life. Now, let me give you the greatest story that I think will illustrate this so that you can make this subtle change in your thinking. You remember the story of Joseph, right, in the Old Testament. Joseph was a young man, probably 17 years old. He gets a vision from God concerning his destiny that he was to rule. And part of the vision was that he saw all of his family were going to bow down to him. And they were going to honor him. And so as a 17-year-old, he didn't have a lick of sense, so he just went out and told them. Well, that irritated the brothers. You know the story? They finally reached the place where they sold him off into slavery. They lied to the dad that he'd been killed somehow. And the story of Joseph begins to unfold. He goes to Potiphar's house, sold as a slave, and he begins to implement some kingdom principle. He's faithful, he's loyal, he's hardworking. But how many of you know that as he arises in Potiphar's house, he's not making it happen on his own? God is raising him up in that house, right? Now, you, Okay, I'm, I know you're following me now. Well, all of a sudden, he gets a false accusation tossed at him. Uh, Potiphar's wife wants a liaison with him. He's a godly person. He runs from that opportunity. A false accusation comes. He gets thrown in prison. Now, already I say to myself, this is not the way that I would have done this. Right? I mean, you would not, you would not think at this point God is anywhere in the building in Joseph's life. But he gets to the prison, and while he's in prison, the scripture tells us again, he's faithful, he's loyal, he's honorable, he interprets people's dreams, he encourages them, and all of a sudden, through all of this prison experience, one of the folks that had been sprung out of prison, I believe it was the baker, as he sprung out of prison, he mentions to Pharaoh, who's having these dreams, that there was a guy who was a sharp guy in prison, he was faithful and honorable and, and loyal and all the things, and, and, and he seemed to hear from God, and all of a sudden he sprung out of prison, and he's brought into the courts of Pharaoh, and suddenly he finds favor in the courts of Pharaoh. Now, think about this for just a minute. Did Joseph make this happen? No. Did he work along the way? Yes. Who made it happen? God made it happen. So Joseph did not open the doors of favor, but rather his understanding and his implementation of God's ways opened up the doors for him to walk through. There are things, listen, that God has called you to do that only he can make happen. But you're going to have to plug some things in. You see, our problem is that most of us have been stained mentally by the earth curse system. And what I call this is the poverty mentality. Because we've been stained, most of us in this room, and guys, I'm talking to you in particular, because we are the ones primarily that are providers in our situation, but we think that we have to make it happen. 
We believe that because we have to make it happen, that there's limited resource out there. There's limited strength, limited wisdom, limited everything. Why do we think that way? It's because we think we have to make it happen. And if we have to make it happen, we know how limited we really are. And so we look at everything in life with anxiety and with worry and with greed and with hoarding and with fearfulness and timidity. Why? Because it's up to us. I can't let this go. I can't lose it. I can't release it. What little I've got, I've got to keep. When I get it, I just got to hold on to it. I, I will be like the guy in the parable where it says that I'm just going to build bigger barns. And I'll just build bigger barns as I accrue things. And then I'm just going to sit on it. Because you see, there's never enough. There's, there's not enough for me. And I can't, I can't let it go. I've worked hard at this. I've toiled. I've made my way. I believe the rich young ruler is a great example. When Jesus looked at the rich young ruler and he said, he said, sell all you have and follow me. And I've taught this several different angles before, but this is what I think Jesus was beginning to zero in on. He looked at the rich young ruler and he said, are you ready to come out of the system you've been used to thinking in? Sure, you've accrued great wealth, you've accrued an incredible amount of stuff, but are you ready to come out of the system that you're currently living in and live in another system, another way of thinking? You see, he had to look at all the disciples and he had to look at them and say, drop your nets and follow me. Every single disciple had to spring out of the system they were living in and begin to live under a new system. Now listen to me. As they began to follow Jesus, is it not true that Jesus was able to get them boatloads of fish? They didn't have to keep the business rolling in order to get boatloads of fish. Is it not true that when it came time to pay taxes and they hadn't been working, that one of the fish had a gold coin in its mouth? Jesus did these things in order to show them that there had to be a switch in their mind. They have to break through their fears and they began to think differently. And when they thought differently, miracles began to happen. But here's our problem. Our problem is, is that we live and breathe and move in the earth curse system. When the Bible says that we should live and breathe and move in whom? Yeah, in God. See, we, we live and breathe and move and have our being in a system that produces fear and anxiety and limitedness to trust in ourselves and what we can do. And Jesus calls us to step out of a system, a way of thinking, and begin to live in Him in such a way that the kingdom can begin to manifest. Now, get ready. Are you ready in your Bibles? Everybody get your Bible out now. And we're going to move quickly here. Guys, are we about ready and done with this thing? Do you need a handheld mic? Because I don't know what happened, but uh, that's, that's beginning to bother me. All right. All right, I'm going to start using this. <laughs> okay, turn to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Colossians 1, 13. Now, I really want you to see this and get this. You need to underline it in your Bible because it's going to help you change the way you think. Colossians 1.13, it says this. He, meaning the Lord, has delivered us from the power of darkness or the authority of darkness and transferred us 
conveyed us, those of you that are in real estate, you know what a conveyance is, transferred us into the what? The kingdom of the son of his love. So when you and I accepted Jesus, we were transferred into another kingdom. Methostami literally means lock, stock, and barrel. Everything there was about you, everything there is ever to concern you is being transferred into another kingdom. The Lord literally changed governments over your life. You are no longer under the domain of darkness, but you're now in the kingdom of his beloved son. Now look what happens in the book of Galatians 3.13. I told you we're going to move quickly, Galatians 3.13. When you were transferred into this new kingdom, it says this. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Now listen carefully. You were transferred from the authority of darkness into a new kingdom, and when that transfer took place, the scripture says that the curse had been broken. What curse is that, Pastor? Well, there's all kinds of curses that are associated with the earth curse system, but let's just make it the one we're talking about. From that moment forward, you are transferred to a place that if you get revelation on this, you no longer have to make it happen yourself. You no longer have to to make it Take place, make it happen. i got to make this happen. That's a curse that's being broken. That curse has been broken to where now it is not you who has to make it happen, but God can make it happen. See, that's why with man, things are impossible. But with God, what? All things are possible. Sure they are. Well, now this curse is broken. And again, I wish it was all put in one book of the Bible, but in the book of Hebrews... It tells us, chapter 2, verse 5, it says, For he, meaning the Lord, has not put the world to come, of which we speak in subjection to angels. But one testified in a certain place, saying, What is man that you're mindful of him, or the son of man that you take care of him? You've made him a little lower than the angels. In fact, literally, I believe it's Elohim, which says he's just a little lower than God himself. You've crowned him with glory and honor, listen, and set him over the works of your hands, and you have put all things in subjection under his feet. Are you getting this, that all things are in subjection under your feet? For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not see all things put under him. Now, I just put in the margin of my Bible the word why, question mark. Why is that? Why, if all things have been placed in subjection under my feet because I'm an heir and I'm a joint heir with Jesus himself, why is it that I don't see this? Why is not that all of this hasn't come to pass? Why is it that I don't feel like I'm in any authority or exercising any dominion? Why is that? It's because our minds have not been renewed to expect and believe and to operate that way. In other words, you're redeemed, yes, but your mind still thinks under an earth curse system. Now we're going to keep on going. Second Peter chapter 1. I'm just laying foundation. We're soaking, right? Just soaking in the word. I mean, telling stories is good and great. And I love, my wife is so good at that because when she preaches, all the dots get connected. And we need that. 
course, when I teach, it takes another year to figure out what pastor said. 2 Peter 1, verse 2, listen to this. But this is what happens. Listen. It says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Listen, verse 3. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to what? And through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And so what happens is we've been translated from the authority of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. The scripture tells us because of that transfer, the curse has been broken, so we no longer have to make it happen because all of us know that when the, the devil's in charge, he's a hard taskmaster, isn't he? He'll whip you and drive you and deplete from you and take from you and steal and destroy and kill. That's the enemy. That's what he does. But you've been transferred. You've been taken out of that system. You're under a new system. The curse is broken to where you don't have to make it happen. But now God begins to make it happen. And it says because of his divine power, you've been given all things pertaining to life and to godliness. Exceeding precious promises. Great and abundant things that you can't even do on your own. Nor should you even think about it because it's impossible with man. But with God, it is possible. That's why it says greater is he who is in me than he that's in the world. They're, they're out there making it happen. Where I am not making it happen anymore, but according to Zechariah 4, verse 6, it says that it's not by might, nor by power, but by God's Spirit that things begin to happen. See, this is where we, we, we've got to renew our minds in this. We got to start renewing our minds. How, how am I going to make the promotion happen? How am I going to make the resource get here? How am I going to make this relationship work? How am I going to make this happen? Come on, break out. You've been, you've been taken out of that system and put into a new system where God makes it happen. You don't have to make anything happen. You just have to obey his precepts. And as you obey his precepts, he begins to move and make it happen. That is why Pentecost was so absolutely necessary. Because the disciples certainly walked with the Lord. They heard his teaching, but they weren't getting it all. They, 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 just, they weren't really putting the, the, the dots together very well at all. Until they went and at least obeyed one command. They went to an upper room and they tarried. And suddenly the Spirit himself fell, and what they couldn't do in the flesh. Do you understand what they couldn't do with Jesus literally with them? I mean, he walked with them and talked with them. They could rub shoulders with him. They jumped in the Jordan and took baths with him. I mean, they walked with him, but they couldn't get done, even with his earthly presence, what would take place out of the upper room. 
And what took place was, number one, great revelation was dispensed upon them, as well as the Spirit, to where it was no longer them making it happen, because you can't go to Jerusalem and to Judea and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You can't do these things on your own. God is the only one that can do it. But when His Spirit came, it happened. Come on now, some of you, you're waiting on a promise And God has it for you. He spoke it. But you're going to have to get to the place where your mind's renewed to some brand new way of thinking. Kingdom thinking. And we're going to break out of this. We're just soaking. I know, you know, I've been teaching here these last weeks. I know I don't have an outline. You do not know how hard it is for me to not put an outline on that screen for you. But you know what we do? This is what we do. We all write down dutifully the outline. And we stuff it in our Bible. And it does, it does us no good. Now, I, I, don't worry. There will be outlines to come. But not before we soak. You see, we've got to break out of the earth curse system, the poverty mentality. And if it were easy, I can assure you the church would look a lot different than it currently looks. But we've got to start somewhere, right? How did Jesus get his disciples to break out of their poverty mentality? That was my question. How, how, Lord, did you start to get them out of this? In Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, beginning with verse 35, you'll remember a story where Jesus begins to directly confront the disciples' thinking. And what he does in that situation is they are faced with some 5,000, the Bible says, men, which means there probably were wives and children tagging along with them. So there were thousands of people showing up for an instruction And Jesus decides it's time to eat. In fact, the disciples, I think, had suggested that they just send him home to go get something to eat. Because isn't that the way we think? There's thousands of people. We certainly can't feed them. So what do we do? Just send them home, Jesus. Send them home. We couldn't do it. No way we could do it. But Jesus looks at him and he says, you give them something to eat. (laughs) Disciples look at each other and say, I don't know how your checking account looks. But I'm telling you, mine is not good. And so they balk. They balk. In fact, they they begin to calculate and add up. Just read that in Matthew 6, beginning with verse 35. They begin to calculate how much it will cost. They literally throw out a number of how much this is going to cost to feed all of these people. Is that not typical earth curse system thinking? Here's this issue Jesus told us to do. How much is it going to cost us? Boy, that one will hunt right there. Well, I can't do this. We can't do this. It costs too much. But Jesus said, you give them something to eat. So finally he says, well, what have you got? Well, they are able to to first generate five loaves and two fishes. Because they knew it was going to cost just years of wages to feed these people. But they, they get these five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus, Jesus begins to work on this. Jesus begins to show them what it means to think a kingdom mentality. Listen, I'm just going to stop here for just a minute. If I were to look at you and I were to say, folks, the Lord has said we are going to build a church debt-free in one year and you can do it. I know. Yeah, I understand. You're good enough to say amen, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of people in the room right now that'd be going, I knew he was setting us up for an offering. Pastor, you lost your mind. Now listen, this is an analogy. No offering's coming. 
Not even next week or the next week. No offerings coming. I'm just, I'm trying to get you in the relevancy of this. And the disciples are thinking as they're getting these five loaves and two fishes, they're thinking, this is impossible, Jesus. We can't make that happen. It's impossible, pastor. Look at their congregation. We're just ordinary, everyday, middle America citizens. We can't make that happen. We can't certainly let that kind of money go. And you can begin to imagine the fear and the skepticism and the doubt that they were thinking under the earth curse system. There is not enough. We can't make it happen. So what does Jesus do? He gets everything that's there, the five loaves and the two fishes. And it's not enough, right? It's not enough to feed everybody. I'm just going to throw this out here. When you've got $10 in your pocket and you've got $2,000 worth of bills, hanging on to your 10 bucks isn't going to help you one way or the other. Are you with me? But you'd be amazed how many people will go, that's my last 10 bucks. What's our last five loaves and two fishes? And what does Jesus do? He gets it and he blesses it, the Bible says. And, you know, I asked the question, why did he bless it? You know, did he bless it because he knows that all good Christians say grace before they, they eat their lunch? I, no, I don't believe that's the case. Jesus had to transition those loaves and fishes into another kingdom. You see, it won't multiply in the earth curse system. But it multiplies in the kingdom of God. So he receives all that is available, and by faith, he, as he receives it, he begins to thank God that it's not just enough, but it will be more than enough. And once those five loaves and two fish changed kingdoms, there was not only enough to meet the need, but the Bible says how many baskets were left over? Twelve baskets were left over. That only works in the kingdom of God. Now, you would have thought that would have made an indelible mark on the disciples' minds. Now, you would have thought. But do you know how powerful this earth curse system is? It's so powerful that two chapters later in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus has to do it again, almost the same exact story, with 4,000 people. So in just probably a few days after seeing a miracle, here they are again two chapters later, having to see the same thing again. Listen, folks, this is why we're soaking in this stuff, because I know that one sermon and a few stories are not going to change your mentality. The disciples needed two exact eyewitness accounts as well as other instances to get this in their spirit. I can teach this stuff and we can amen, shout, and wave our arms, but it's no good if we don't get it in our spirit. Man, I've learned through the years, I mean, I mean this to be humorous, and it may not be, so allow me to be the only one that laughs in the room. But I've learned through the years that I'll preach some of the greatest messages I think have ever been preached, and people won't remember it by dinner time on Sunday. It's true. Oh, they did remember the funny story I told in the middle. They do remember that. But you see, that's why... It doesn't change us because we haven't soaked in it. I'm not getting on your case. I'm just simply saying I've learned some things. we got to soak in this stuff. you got to get it in your spirit. It won't work unless it's in your spirit. Now, I'm going to tell just two quick stories, and we'll be done, and some of them you've heard already, and, 
And just bear with me, you'll hear it again, but I'm preparing you. I got, I got new things that are happening. God's doing new things in our life, but, I, but I'm, I'm letting you soak in some concepts here. I told you years ago that we had a guy come through teaching on finances. This is, golly, this is 15, maybe 20 years ago now. And uh, Trace and I were in incredible financial challenge. And he was teaching some things on finances, and, and, and we understood an offering was going to be received, and, and I know how that stuff can be tainted. And, but I also knew that there was a, a, a true anointing on it, and so he was going to receive a, a hundredfold offering, and, and I had to run the service that night, so I was on the platform, Trace was on the front row, and when it came time for the offering, she began giving me these hand signals. Now, I thought the hand signal, because I knew how much was in the checking account. I thought she was motioning $25. And I thought to myself, oh, yeah, $25. I, I, I mean, we can handle $25. Sure we can. And so I'm sitting there, she's hand signaling me, and, and I'm going. Yeah. So, she, you know, she goes, and so she writes the check away, puts it in, service wraps up, we're riding home. So we're riding home, she looks at me and says, honey, I really appreciate you letting me give that much money in the offering tonight. And I, and I was sitting there going, well, sure, sure. I'm a benevolent guy. And she says, well, I never, I never would have thought that you would have let me give a $250 check. I said, whoa, just, just a minute. You said two five. I thought that meant 25. She said, no, didn't you see the little zero at the end? I said, no, I didn't see the zero. The two and the five bore witness to my spirit. It's that zero. It's that zero I'm not sure that's bearing witness to my spirit right now. She said, well, I was given it because I was belie I'm believing God. I'm, you know, I'm going on a job interview this next week, and you know that how much we need in order for us to do this, and I, I need $25,000 a year on this job. And I knew it was a hundredfold offering. I was assigning it in order to get a $25,000 a year job, and you know it's, going, it's, it's, it's just impossible. You know these people. They just, aren't, they just aren't apt to do that. And so, you know, God bless her. She was the one that assigned it. Praise God. If it had been me, we'd been in trouble. But you know that she went to the job interview. They asked what it would take for her to come work for them. She said, well, I'd, I'd, I'd love to have $25,000 a year. And without one balk, without one negotiating tactic, without anything, they just said, sure, $25,000 a year. There you go. Yeah, that happened. that's a true story. That's a true story. Now, now, you would have thought a story like that would have arrested my attention. But do you know how powerful the earth curse system is? Come on, some of you have stories kind of like that. And they're wonderful testimonies, but is it not amazing to you how quickly you fall back into that earth curse system? The pressure it puts on you? And so we were able to do this. There's, there's numerous stories along the way where that happened. But some of you, some of you heard the story not long ago where, where my wife came up to me. It was here at Legacy not long ago. And she came up and she whispered in my ear. And she, she said, uh, you know, we have about $1,600 worth of bills that are going to come due here this next week. And to be honest with you, we, we aren't going to be able to, to meet that need. We, di we didn't let anybody know that. We weren't, you know, we didn't pour mouth or let anyone know what's going on or why it happened or how we got there. But she said, you know, we, we, this is what we've got coming. And we've got $232 in our checking account. 
I believe the Lord told me just to write it all off. Now listen to me. We had finally reached the place in our life just a few months ago where I could look at her and say, you're right, you do that. Because $232 isn't going to fix what's wrong. Are you following me? Now, I can live under the earth curse system and say, I'm going to keep my $232. Or I can transfer that money from one kingdom to another kingdom. Because that's the only place it can multiply. So I said, you go ahead and do it. It isn't going to help us any. Like I said, if all you've got is $10 and you've got $10,000 worth of bills, you're, 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 you're a fool just to hang on to that 10 bucks. You might as well sow it to the kingdom because it's the only place some of this stuff is going to multiply. And so she did it. And I'll tell you what, the Lord moved in an amazing way. It was unexpected. We just had learned just, you just do these things. And I'm telling you, in less than 24 hours, resources were sent in order to meet the need and provide for even more. Now, hear me, hear me when I say this. If you want to see the kingdom work in your life, you're going to have to understand a couple of things. Number one is that God isn't just going to send you money because the first story I told you, he didn't send us money, did he? He sent us an opportunity. See, some of you are waiting for God just to open up the sky and let money fall from the sky, and that isn't going to happen. But what will happen is that God will open doors for opportunity in order for you to walk through, in order for his blessing to get to you. You see, Deuteronomy 8.18 says that it is God who gives you power or you ability to get wealth. You've got to do something. Her $25,000 blessing still meant that she had to get up and be at work by 8 o'clock in the morning. She couldn't check out until 5 p.m. She had to be faithful to the job, faithful to her assignment, and that's how she got the 25 k But do you understand that she didn't make it happen? It was God who made it happen. So you're following me now, right? See, I'm trying to get the crazy charismatic knocked out of us in order to put also faith inside of those who need to move in this direction. There was a widow woman who only had a little flour and a little oil. The prophet Elijah comes up and says, what are you doing? And she says, well, I got a little flour, a little oil. I'm going to cook it up, make a cake, and then we're going to die. And the prophet says, make me the cake. Can you imagine the gall? Could you imagine? Can you imagine what MSNBC would do with a story like that? Prophet takes last little bit of widow's cake and oil. And, but really, if you're going to go die after the baking session anyway, what, what good's it going to do you? Right? You got a little flour, a little oil, you're just going to bake a cake and have a party. It's your own funeral party. So what, what's, I mean, you might as well give it up. What does it do? It, what, it holds off death for 12 hours. But what happened? She... She transferred that flour and that oil into another kingdom. And when it got transferred into another kingdom, God was able to do something with that. The Bible says that oil began to flow, and the prophet said, Go get pots, go to your neighbors, gather not a few, get as many as you can get your arms around. And oil began to flow in those pots supernaturally until every pot she got was filled up. I've often wondered if she could just have got a semi-truck load of pots 
I believe God would have kept filling pots up, but her expectation level probably just had, you know, well, I got three or four neighbors I can call. I'll just get those pots. And God moved according to her expectation as to how many pots he could fill. But do you see, most people couldn't let the flour and the oil go because it's all I've got. I don't have any more. You're not going to ask me to let go of what I've got, are you? Yes, at times, yes. You see, breaking out of that poverty mentality really boils down to this. Who are you going to trust? Are you going to trust your flour and oil, or are you going to trust the kingdom to which it can be transferred? And this I'm done. Matthew 6, 24, and I'm done. Well, it helps if I get to the right book. It says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. Now listen, once you make the choice, listen now, here, that's our, see, we, we trust, do you understand? We trust, we trust, we trust things that there's going to come a day that it may be worthless. Do you, under, do you understand where our economy is going right now? If something dramatic doesn't happen, it, our money isn't going to be worth the paper it's printed on. Now, if you want to trust that, that's your business and it's your life, go your way. But I'm here to tell you, I've got to start trusting something that's eternal and everlasting. Now, if you trust in God, listen to what Jesus says. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on it. Is life not more food, more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. See, they have to fly around, don't they? I mean, they have to put some energy out there, but, but I've never seen yet a bird starving. I, I'm here to tell you, my, my puppy doesn't do a thing. He's fat and happy. Says the father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus is saying this, you will serve who you believe will meet your need. Some of you trust your employer more than you trust God. Some of you trust your bank accounts more than you trust God. Some of you trust 401ks more than you trust God. Some of you trust yourselves to be candid because you can make it happen more than you trust God. But I'll assure you there'll come a moment that you'll run into your destiny or you'll run into impossibility. And the only way you'll ever break through that door or break through that ceiling is when you transfer your trust. 
into God himself. Now listen to me. It doesn't make you a bad person because most of us, probably all of us, have lived with an earth curse mentality. And you know what? You can love God and you can walk and be saved and go to heaven under an earth curse mentality, but you will miss what God can do in your life if you'd allow if only you would allow him to renew you to a kingdom mentality. When the disciples saw the crowd, they were stumped by how can we feed this great crowd? And they thought in terms of just barely, how in the world are we going to get all these people fed? How in the world can we even meet this need? And Jesus was looking at him and saying, you guys, some of you can't see it happening. Some of you are thinking just barely, but Jesus was already beginning to see 12 more baskets than what would even be necessary. See, I just don't believe we're serving the God of the get-by. I believe we serve a God of more than enough. The issue isn't on God's end of the equation. The issue is on our end of the equation. And so we're going to have to begin to, to renew our thinking. And I don't know what that may mean for you. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not taking extra offerings so I can get something done. I, you know what? I'm, I'm to the place where God's leading me that I'm going to believe if I'm the only one, I've got agreement with my wife, that we can build a, a church and we can do God's work in a kingdom. And all it will take are two people who are just radically believing that God can do this. So not that I don't love you. Listen to me. I love you and I appreciate you. And I'm glad for your obedience and your offerings and all the things. I don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But do you understand? I don't need you anymore. How wonderfully liberating is that? And if you say, well, that's great, then I just won't give you anything. You keep it. Just go ahead and keep it. You're, you're under an earth curse system anyway. Because let me just tell you something. I, I can now access more than enough more than enough it's not for me it's for you i already know what god's asking me this is for you and you know what he's going to talk to you and we're just going to keep soaking in it amen stand with me thank you for your kindness this morning as i've taught you father i pray right now in jesus name lord that you would just snap us out of an earth curse system this morning On Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service of worship. And be not conformed to the patterns of this age, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Lord, we present our bodies this morning. Can you do that right now? Where you're standing right here this morning. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Say, Lord, I'm presenting my body a living sacrifice. Lord, I, I'm trusting you. I'm declaring my absolute unqualified trust in you. There have been moments, Lord, I've said I've trusted you and I've backpedaled in, in an area or two and I'm just saying I repent from that and I'm getting back in, in complete and total honesty and commitment. Lord, I trust you. I don't trust my next job. I don't trust the next deal. I don't trust my employer. I don't trust my bank accounts. I trust you. You and you alone. For only you can do the impossible. Lord, spring me out of my fear. Spring me out of my anxieties and my worries. Spring me out of the thought processes that always are telling me I must make it happen myself. Lord, 
It's not by my might or by my power, but it's going to be by your spirit. That miracles begin to take place. Miracles begin to take place. Lord, I pray right now for your people as we're standing here this morning. Lord, I ask this morning that, that you would speak to them directly. I don't know what all this may mean. I don't know if there's transfers that will take place. I don't know. I, I, but Lord, I know this much that you're calling us to be kingdom people. To rethink how we live. To rethink how we live and move and have our being. Lord, it's in you. It's in you. Lord, let it begin right now in the name of Jesus. Hey, with every head bowed and with every eye closed, I just want to ask you this before we go this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed, that you just be honest before God and just, I don't know, I guess I'm curious. But you would literally be able to say, Pastor, the Spirit of God's causing me to rethink some things right now. It's causing me to rethink some things right now. Would you just lift your hand and just say, that's me. Just me, that's me. Yeah, see, come on. I, I, let, him, let him do it right now. Let him, let him talk to you right now. Let him minister to you right now. When he was down... By his presence in the altars of the church earlier, I tell you what, he was causing us to soak in his presence so that our minds could be renewed to receive kingdom truth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you've been accomplishing in our household. Lord, I pray that you would do even bigger things in the households of these people. Lord, let them be, let them be immeasurably blessed. Let the exceeding abundant thing begin to happen in each of their lives as they transfer things from a curse into a kingdom. Lord, we love you. Can you right now where you're standing begin to receive that truth? Come on. Jesus had to receive it and he had to believe it before it could be multiplied. Just receive the truth right now. Just How do I do that, Pastor? Just say, I receive that truth into my system. I receive the word into my system. Lord, the soaking this morning, the word that's been read, the scripture that's been taught. Lord, I, I don't know that I got it all, but let it begin to minister and produce in me. Come on, I'm prophesying over you. You are on the brink of miracles. Yes, you are. Lord, I thank you that miracles are coming the way of this people. I thank you that praise report cards, we won't be able to keep enough in stock, Lord, with all the praise reports that are coming our way. Lord, you know my heart. It isn't, it isn't about what the church is doing. It's about getting people into the kingdom. You know where I'm at, Lord, with this. So, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for this moment. And Lord, we rejoice in you as we go our separate ways. In Jesus' mighty name, can you say amen and put your hands together real big? Come on, praise him like you mean it. Come on, begin to, come on, let's bless him, Lord. Open up the heavens. Open up the skies. Lord, miracles, Lord, your power, your glory. Amen and amen. Amen. I want you to turn around before you go this morning, hug some necks, high five somebody, just don't hit them in the forehead, but high five people and hug them around the neck. Come on, be an encouragement. Tell them that it's the acceptable year of the Lord. It's the dawn of a brand new day. You're walking in good news in Jesus name. God bless you. Come on. We'll see you at connect groups or we'll see you on Wednesday night. God bless you. Released.